Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficacelli. Hello, and thanks for joining us here on Answering the Call on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming live on stgabrielradio.com. I'm Elizabeth Ficacelli, host of this program, and my guest today is a Franciscan friar who credits the Jesuits, believe it or not, for leading him to the Franciscan order, and I say that, of course, in a good way. He is Friar John Bamman. He's associate pastor at the Basilica and National Shrine of Our Lady of Consolation in Cary, Ohio. He's a vocations director as well. They always make good guests on the show, and he's here to share uh, his story with us today. So welcome, Friar John, to answering the call. What a pleasure to be here, Elizabeth. Thank you. It, it is a pleasure to have you guys here. And you you come from Toledo, Ohio, youngest of four children uh, from a practicing Catholic family, um, good Catholic boy, but a little bit of a spitfire as a kid, weren't you? I was a little rascal. Yeah, I was <laughs> often in trouble from Sister Matthias. She was always after me. What were you doing there? Well, I like to get the attention of my peers, so I would sometimes stand on my chair and have the peace sign with both hands displaying <laughs> peace and quick sit down, and all the children would be giggling, and she'd be trying to find out who was the little rascal. It was usually me. So kind of harmless, but just a little little out there. Yeah. I loved being sent to uh, the principal's office, a Sister Maria Garetti, and she always would receive me like grandma with a little candy jar and a big hug, Aww. and I just just loved at after that moment to get sent to the principal's office so it was, it was a bit of positive reinforcement there now in addition to that little rascal side of you there was a spiritual side to you even as a kid grown up Definitely. Yeah. I, I love to go to Mass in the morning. Uh, my mother was a, a big fan of the Visitation Monastery in Toledo, Ohio. And so they had Mass at O-Dark 30, super early. And one day I, I slept in and I said, Mom, you didn't wake me up to go to Mass. And she says, Honey, if you want to go to Mass, you're going to have to get yourself out of, bre- out of bed and go. And at that point, I did. And I just had this desire and this love of the Mass that I knew it wasn't a big interest in my peers, but I knew that that was a a special spiritual hunger that I had. Yeah. Did you know, like, in addition to your love for the Mass, did you sense as a young child that maybe, you know, you might have a religious calling of some kind? Well, I I remember in fourth grade, we, our our students were lined up and heading over to daily mass, and we would we would come over and and bow right before the big crucifix hanging over the altar. And I remember having the 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 thought in my mind, you know, how are you going to explain your rascally behavior when you become a priest? And I just thought that was so strange as a you know little boy in, in fourth grade, and it was so decisive. It wasn't a possibility. It wasn't a, well, maybe if you discern, it was when you become a priest. And that kind of stuck with me all the way up to a 34-year-old guy. And I'm sure explaining some of that rascally behavior uh, has come in handy because we're probably all a little bit of rascals in some way or another, right? <laughs> I, I, I hope so. I think so. <laughs> now, did other people, you know, see something in you as you were growing up that, that kind of affirmed that, that maybe you had some kind of a calling? Um, definitely. I, I, I just remember uh, friends that would um, you know, support that and see qualities within me. I remember even a cousin 
told me um, after I married her, she says, I always knew that you were going to preside at my my wedding. You were going to be the priest. And I said, could you have told me a little (laughs) before this? That would have been really helpful because, you know, just going through the the pains of discernment and wondering, you know, where's God calling me to be and and to struggle through that. And she's like, yeah, you you always had it. I knew you were going to be a priest. Oh, interesting. No, I said in the opening of the show about the, the Jesuit influence on your life. You went to Jesuit schools. You went to a Jesuit high school, St. John's. And, you know, we know high school is a time of all kinds of things, girls, dating, distractions and everything, uh, social pressures. How did your spiritual side fare during um, the four years of, of high school? And did was Christ able to break through that clutter? Oh, definitely. I had a I had a wonderful religion teacher named Father Tom Ryan, and he was um, in religion class. And I remember he had applications to go on a tech retreat, Teens Encounter Christ retreat, and um, he started to hand them out to certain students. And why he handed one out to me, I don't know. I wasn't an exemplar student. I wasn't the smartest in the class. I I I. I I wasn't even well behaved at that time either, and and yet he he saw qualities in me that I I'm just shocked. And he was the Jesuit that really helped me find the Franciscans because that tech retreat took place at Our Lady Constellation, and and that's where I first met the friars. And so I kind of attribute him for seeing um, seeing me through to to find the Franciscans, and they were you know an hour and a half away from my hometown, so it wasn't like they were they were next door. Right. And um, and I do want to ask you more about that. But going back to high school for a moment. Um, so, you know, you're a young man and, and, and you're in this school. And, you know, were you considering among things to do with your life in the future, you know, marriage? Were you dating girls? Was that part of your experience in high school? Yeah, I, I was often um, a popular guy for the dances, and they had those reverse dances in my high school because they had two all-guy high schools and a co-ed high school, Central Catholic, St. John's and St. Francis de Sales, and then they had three all-girls schools. So the girls would often ask the guys to go, and that was just great deal for me because I was I was kind of popular on that because I knew, you know, John was one that, that would always say yes. I would never <laughs> say no if they asked me to go to a dance. And so I got this uh, reputation for being the, the yes man. My, my, my friends used to call me the renaissance man that would always say yes to whoever was the, was the person that asked me to go to a dance. And so junior and senior year, I was pretty popular with the the dances and went as friends, and we just had yeah. a, you know a lot of a good uh, experiences. Nothing like a steady girlfriend or anything mm-hmm. like that, because at least in an all guys school, there's a lot of pressure on dates and 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 having a relationship with a girlfriend, and yet there's very little social opportunities for that. So, right. uh, but the dances were fun. Okay, and so you were mentioning the tech um, experience, and we've had guests on the program talk about how powerful of an experience that was, a real a powerful encounter with Christ. Uh, and you were exposed then to the Franciscans for the first time at, at the, the shrine in Cary. And what what would you say the difference was uh, between the Franciscans and, and the Jesuits, like from, from your viewpoint at that age? Well, the the Jesuits are really smart, and I knew that right away. Mm-hmm. And and they would talk about their formation, and you know, even their novitiate was you know two 
two years and and they would have these doctorates and someone would have double doctorates and the, and we'd had a few science teachers there at St. John's Jesuit and and they have this philosophy of creating men for others and that's very appealing and and enticing but there's this this other side of a franciscan that I see as being a fool for Christ being willing to to look silly in front of your peers and 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 that that openness to go wherever the Lord might be calling them. And I saw that going on a tech retreat and seeing um, our, our reunion and some of the friars just on fire with that relationship with Christ and willing to, you know, play on a guitar or sing off key mm-hmm. and, and do it with joy to the point where it just attracts others. And that joyfulness was so contagious with the friars. I thought, there's something about those friars I got to look into. And I could see how that could fit with the personality. You know, like you said, you're kind of a little bit of the rascal, the spitfire growing up, and you describe yourself as a thrill seeker. You know, you're always looking for adventure. I can kind of see why that attraction would be there. Um, I know you would have followed your love for snow skiing by going to choosing a college in Vermont or Colorado, but for practical reasons, um, chose to study a little closer to home. So where did you go for college and what did you study? So I studied at um, the Ohio State University in the School of Natural Resources, and I just I, I was I was a scout growing up, and I loved the outdoors and the national parks, and going on backpacking trips and bicycling trips and and rafting trips and canoeing trips, and so I just had a real love for the outdoors, and it was a natural fit to study the natural resources to be like a a park ranger. And even not even realizing God was preparing me for that Franciscan spirituality because, you know, St. Francis of Assisi being the patron saint of ecology, boy, that was a that was a wonderful fit and a great way to prepare for the Franciscans. And I didn't even realize it. Yeah. So you graduated OSU in 1989. Then you went to Washington State, worked as a ski patrol at a resort. Very, very adventurous job. Yeah. <laughs> Not a desk job. That was tough duty. I mean, they paid me to ski 150 days out of the year. Wow. That was just beautiful. What a paycheck. Yeah. And a ministerial <laughs> job too, right? That's right. Because... Yeah. And so I had the opportunity to help people that you know, would be in distress and they and they, they would break something or, or twist something. And, and, and I'd be in the position of bringing them uh, down the down the slope in a toboggan, and sometimes it's some really difficult, uh, you know, double black diamond terrain, and bring them down to the safety of the aid room, and just that thrill of having the skills that helps someone in crisis. Oh yeah! Wow! And just comforting a, them in, in that moment. Yeah. What an adrenaline rush, too. We're talking with Franciscan Friar John Bamman. He's associate pastor of Our Lady of Consolation Shrine in Cary, Ohio, and he's joining us here on answering. The call. So, Friar John, you know, you had this wonderful job that really fit in with all your uh, adventure-seeking side, um, but you still had a spiritual hunger, and that would lead you to study theology at Seattle University, again, a Jesuit school, so you're on this uh, Jesuit path at the moment. Um, And you were encouraged by a Jesuit priest there to bring, you know, the theology you were learning to the workplace, and you started doing that as now a motor coach driver. That was your next job. Um, The hunger still, though, didn't go away entirely. And you have a couple of wonderful stories. Um, First of all, talk about the experience you had with uh, the mystic named Anne. Oh, yeah. So um, this this, uh, woman named Anne Doherty, she's a Scottish woman, and she has so many gifts of the Holy Spirit. And and, uh, we were on a a bus trip together as a church church trip, and she was praying over me in one of the opportunities. And... um, she just had this sparkle about her, and she goes, oh, oh, laddie, oh, 
the the St. Clair has such a special plan for you. St. Clair's going to visit you, laddie. And I thought, oh, that's that's crazy. I thought, obviously, that's a sign my, my future wife is going to be named Claire. Mm-hmm. So every woman I met, I, I'd say, well, what's your middle name? How about, <laughs> how about your mother's name, grandmother's name? Who's Claire in your family? Name. <laughs> and hoping I'd, I'd, I'd hear that be my green light to, to marry her. And it never happened yeah. in the next year. And so I, I had this one tour uh, tour trip that was probably a dream dream charter tour. It went from Seattle to San Francisco uh, and back for a 26-day tour with Ohioans, the best people in the world to have on a, on a motor coach. And um, we went from Volcano to the coast and zigzagged all the way down the, the northwest corner there. And it was on the last day, 26 days into that trip when um, the, the bus stopped working. And I'm like, I have no idea what's wrong. I'm a driver. I'm not a mechanic. I'm completely stressed out. And I told the group, I've got to check the instruments on the engine. And I don't even know what I'm looking at. <laughs> so I go back to the engine doors. And, and before I get the engine opened up, um, a guy walks up to me and, and bib overalls. Um, and he says to me, you need a diesel mechanic. And at this point, I'm very stressed. Yes, I don't know what happened. I pushed the pedals and it won't go. <laughs> I sound like me. Very stressed out. <laughs> and he says, well, you know, no big deal. It could be this, could be that, or you could be out of fuel. I said, well, there's no way it's out of fuel. It holds 224 gallons. This like has amazing 1,200-mile range. I mean, this is a, 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 one of the best coaches. He goes, all right, well, let me just check the fuel, to, f- fuel filter. And he unscrews the fuel filter, and it's bone dry, not mm-hmm. a drop of fuel in it. He goes, well, you're out of fuel. I said, that can't be. I said, I could get fired for that. He goes, no, 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 don't worry, don't worry. I just happened to have a 50-gallon <laughs> drum of diesel in his pickup truck. <laughs> so he he primes the engine, which is some procedure that just diesel mechanics know how to do. I sure don't know how to do. He's like my guardian angel, knows how to do it. He puts the fuel in there. We're back up on the road cruising down the road the people aren't too inconvenienced they 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 missed their boat tour but it was a stormy day black clouds over the puget sound and they're like oh thank god we're not in a boat yeah oh john you're the best driver ever (laughs) and so i'm you know i'm back in their graces but in the next 24 hours i received a pink slip from my boss that said you know union contract says you can never run out Mm. of fuel with a busload full of people that makes for a bad driver yeah (laughs) and so i've been driving eight years and just um made a terrible mathematical miscalculation or or just a crazy uh string of errors be that what as it may um i i had an opportunity for my brother now that i don't have work and i have plenty of time he says hey we're going to peru how about coming with us on this mission trip I'm like, well, I don't have any money. No problem. We'll pay for your trip. Come on with us. You know, it's going to be great. So we're up in the Andes in Lima, Peru, doing missionary work with orphans, helping um, uh, drug addicts. And it just brought this hunger and this um, desire to serve the people of God that so hit me that I just had an aha moment of, I don't know that I'm called to, to lead bus tours. I mean, it's a fun job. It's really great. Right. But I don't know that that's my call. So, But God had something a little deeper for you. And I know you're about 34, maybe about mm-hmm. that at this point. And, and that is obviously then what is going to get you to start looking at the option of how can I serve God deeper? I know you looked at different religious orders. 
Um, and you decided and approached the conventional Fr- Franciscans at Cary, but then met another roadblock. They wanted you to wait. Yeah, that was hard because I figured, you know, I, I put this, I'd postponed that, that decision of priesthood and vocation for so many years. And then suddenly I'm ready and I'm rearing to go. And they said, hold on a second. Let's put on the brakes. We're not ready to receive you. Yeah. We're going to delay you a year or two years, maybe more. And it was just um, a cataclysmic for me. And, and it was a point, it was a good time in that I really looked at my motivations as to why am I doing this? And and um, I think that it, it made my decision uh, much more clarifying that I could never walk away easily from the Franciscans because I had to fight so hard to, to get in, really, um, to go through that application process, not once but twice. Right. And, um, and, and that was just a very discerning moment that was very clarifying for me that I want this with all my heart, with all my desire, and I am not going to let go. They're going to yeah. have to throw me out of here. Yeah. God's timing, you know, they say is perfect. We don't often <laughs> understand it, kind of living that now. But, you know, we, we have to trust in him and obviously had a plan. Um, so you were officially accepted. You entered the Franciscan Order in 2001, uh, eight years of formation. And I know formation um, is never an easy path. It's a lot of challenges as you're, you know, getting whittled down, so to speak, you know, to serve Christ and his church, you know, and and perfected in the process. It's like marriage. It's kind of the same thing. We get whittled down and perfected, you know, in all our bad things and mm-hmm. selfishness and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, like you said, though, you had these challenges, but uh, to get in there, and that sounds like that's really what sustained you to hang in there until ordination. Most definitely. And it was, um, and I'm really glad I stuck, I, I stuck through with it. It would have been I think easy to walk away bitter and mad and resentful, uh, but just um, staying with that. And I and I went to to a counselor to help me do that, to look at my past and my present and how I handle future, and 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 to just walk with me. And at the end of that evaluation, um, it was a psychologist that works with priests. He said, "You know, you're going to make a great priest. I have no worries with you." And this was a guy who came out of retirement to help me and his whole life he'd been working with priests. And that was just a wonderful endorsement and, and consolation for me. And, um, and I'm really glad just, I, I had that time to, to look closely at, you know, what's motivating me to do this. And, and is it really something that I want with all my heart? Mm. Tell us about the, the kind of the payoff to the St. Clair story. Yeah, so um, my brother has this annoying quality of being like a prophet, and um, <laughs> you know, prophet is never welcomed in the family, and so um, he has this ability to connect dots and then to sort of hitch on the side of the head with uh, the truth. And so he um, he was asking me, he says, "Well, now, what day was it that um, you ran out of fuel with that motor coach?" And I said, uh, August something. He goes, no, what was the exact day that that happened? I said, well, the last day, 26th day of the, that tour, it was uh, August 11th. He says, do you know what feast day that is? I said, I have no idea. He says, it's St. Clair. <laughs> Remember that message Anne gave you about St. Clair visiting you? And suddenly I was like, the light went on. And that's just a, a real special Franciscan call, you know, that that God would reach out in the busyness of the everyday work to call you to a Franciscan life. And I felt like I was just picked up by the collar and shook 
and then placed right back in the driver's seat. Hey, if you want to deny this and forget it, my job was reinstated, all back pay was reimbursed, and I could have just forgotten Peru, forgotten Lima and and, and that missionary work, but then I said, no, I, I have to really honor this call. It was beautiful. Um, you were ordained a Franciscan priest in 2009 up there at the shrine in Cary. Uh, was there a high point of that day for you? Oh, that was wonderful. Yeah, I think probably the Litany of the Saints. I just remember um, Friar Martin Day um, uh, being the baritone up there in the in the choir loft, along with a soprano, and they were cantering all the Franciscan saints. And I was just uh, lying prostrate in a in a puddle of tears, and it was uh, so moving. Mm. And it was an unlikely thing because I, I had invited them to to sing uh, specifically that litany of saints, and they said no. So I was I wasn't expecting them to be there, and then the last minute they showed up, and I'm like, oh, what a consolation from God just to have you know those talented voices up there, and um and then just the movingness of having your family and friends and all the instrumental people of, of your vocation right around you. Um, it, it was yeah. Amazing. So you're back up at the shrine now. Where, where did you go between that time, from ordination time till now that you're at the shrine? Did you have another assignment in between that? Yeah, so from um, ordination, I went, my honeymoon assignment was in Terre Haute, Indiana, at St. Joseph University Parish. <laughs> was there five years and just loved the people, loved university ministry. That was fantastic. And then um, the last four years, I've been a vo- vocation director at the Mother House at uh, Mount St. Francis, Southern Indiana. So um, it's I've just had two assignments, and I'm still like a toddler learning how to walk this Franciscan life, but um, it's good and it's joyful, and I, I just love it. And now God's kind of brought you back to the, the roots up there at the shrine. And what are your duties up there uh, in Cary? Well, um, so I'm part-time vocation director and part-time associate pastor. So it's um, it's a really nice mix of being anchored in the relationship of the people of the parish, which is something that I missed the last four years, being a full-time vocation director and doing a lot of travel. And then um, being also sort of a cheerleader for the Franciscans and going to um, retreats for high schoolers. Um, I I was at a tech retreat, surprise, surprise, in Louisville. That was really great. And also visiting college campuses. Um, Recently, it was with the Mountaineer Catholics and University of West Virginia and and told them about the Tavola of St. Francis and just like the life of St. Francis. And it was a wonderful evening. And so, um, you know, sometimes I'm planting seeds, other times I'm cultivating those relationships with guys that are in a transition in life and really seriously trying to find the will of God in their life. And just to be in with them in that moment of transition is such a, a holy moment and one of my favorite places to be in that conversation of, you know, how do I discern between my will and God's will. And that's a great conversation. Yeah. Now you have a, an interesting formula that can help people through that discernment process. The 5G. 5G. Uh, the 5G network. Yeah. So um, it, I, I, it was kind of a creative moment where we were talking about, you know, telephones help us communicate with each other and help us call to each other. But how about calling to God? And how do we use that 5G satellite network? So we kind of devised this um, 
idea of, of five G's to help us. You know, one is to grab a Bible that the Word of God can really speak to us. And the other one is to go to confession that, you know, having a clean temple and a clean house of God allows you to hear, you know, more of what God's message is to you. Um, the other one is is go to Mass, you know, daily, that you're making that that commitment in a daily way for prayer and for the opportunity for God to to walk in our, our, our busy lives. And the fourth G is um, to gaze at the Lord in adoration. You know, make time for the Lord with those those maybe 15 minutes or maybe an hour just to gaze on the Lord and allow that one-to-one conversation. Then the last one is just to glorify the Lord with your life. You know, it's those five Gs of the five G method of discernment that can really open the heart to that conversation with God and help decipher what is my will and what is God's will. I think they're really practical ideas, you know, for all of us in in following not only vocation, but just calling that God might have for us and and so forth. So I think they're they're very practical. Um, You know, I I, I think you're your personality as we're meeting you in this show is it's real obvious that that you're you are joyful you're you're not a boring person and that's important <laughs> for young people today you know because if they grow up and their whole mentality is oh priests are boring you know but the more and more we talk to priests on this show you know they are excited they have all these you know, hobbies and and past life experiences and adventures and and so it, it is a neat neat experience and, and you've done quite a bit uh, in, in your life and all these experiences and God's using it perfectly for what he's doing now. And the last thing I want to ask you about is that vocation vehicle you have parked in our parking lot is awesome. Go ahead and tell us about that. Sure. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take the vocations to the road and so as, as a way to bring an awareness to, Hey, what are my gifts and how am I giving them back to God? And so, um, I wrapped, uh, an image, an icon of St. Francis along with Pope Francis on the side of a vehicle. And it has our website there for franciscans.org. And then, um, also has the San Damiano cross, which was the cross that called Francis to this life and, and asked him to rebuild my church. So it only has three words on it, rebuild my church. And it's part of our charism to be out with the people where the people are at and trying to rebuild the church, sometimes stone by stone and other times person by person mm-hmm. and going after those people that are in the rest areas of life that are at the, the fuel oasis. And I can bump into them and they say, what on earth are you doing with the Pope on your car? <laughs> and it, it's, a, it's a great conversation. It is people. great. A great saint, founder of your order and the Pope, the current Pope. I mean, <laughs> it's perfect. And rebuild my church. We're all called to do that in our lives. We're all called to do that. So I think it's very effective and wish you lots of blessings on that. So I, had, I had one little boy run up to me and he says, boy, you must love God a whole lot. Oh, sweet. <laughs> See, planting those seeds. Friar John Bamman, this has been such a joy to have you on the program. Um, can you leave us with your blessing? Absolutely. Um, the words of St. Francis of Assisi, who prayed this prayer, Most high and glorious God, enlighten the darkness of my heart and give me true faith, certain hope, perfect charity, sense, and knowledge, Lord, so that I may carry out your holy and true command. And may Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Wonderful blessing. Thank you again for joining us. This is Elizabeth Ficacelli, host for Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. You can listen in on this program Saturdays and Sundays at 1230. Uh, Stay tuned for another great show next week. God bless.
Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficcicelli are available at stgabrielradio.com. Then-